Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. All right, praise the Lord. Yes, please. Because I cannot stand. So after all that serious stuff, you get me. There's something funny about that. Um, I like to have fun. I hope you all do too. Uh, I like to laugh. Somewhere in the Bible it says laughter or merry hearts like medicine. And I've just come to this belief that the church needs a lot of medicine. Three people are in agreement. The rest have not been taking the medicine. Maybe so much on this side. You know, when you're preaching and people are looking up at you, and you're like, man, I just wish you would inform your face that you're born again. Because I'm not sure you know that. Praise Jesus. You know, I'm going to heaven. Dare you to bless me. Who are you anyways? Hey, so... Uh, I got a couple silly videos. I have this one. It's like, I like this guy. He's a mess like me, so I like him. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Go ahead and show the video. But here you go. A bunch of them. No, thanks. I'm good. I'll pass. One of my personal favorites. For sure, though. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you got saved, you got eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and access to a whole long list of ways to say no that'll make you sound like way more spiritual of a person than you actually are. I don't think it's God's will. It's just not his timing. I'm feeling led in a different direction, but let me talk to my pastor about that. It's a closed door. I'm waiting on the Lord right now. I just don't feel peace about it right now. God has a different assignment for me. I just didn't feel prompted. I just don't feel like that's something that Jesus would do, but I just feel like I'm not in that season anymore. Can you help me move this weekend? But normally I would, but I just feel like God is just telling me to rest right now. I just got a sense that it didn't line up. Right now I'm in a season of new wineskins. What does that even mean? I just feel like right now I'm in a season of creating margin and I just don't have the bandwidth. Are you even speaking English right now? I was just asking if you wanted to get a pizza prompting. How many times have I told you about the prompting? I'm not feeling the prompting. I don't know. I'm just not really feeling the spirit's leading on this one. Mm, you know what? I'm not sure. Let me lay out a fleece on that one. Okay, I don't think anyone says that. And of course, everybody's all-time favorite, let me pray about it. All I'm saying is when it comes to Christian ways of saying no, just say no. Okay, ways to say no. There are a bunch of them. All right. That's silly. All right. Choice, challenge, change. Everybody say that with me. Choice, challenge, change. Okay, so a little bit about me. I uh, came out of drugs and alcohol and crime and all that stuff. I got saved, radically saved at Teen Challenge in 1999. I had no idea that God would change my you know, trajectory or my line. I pretty much just uh, had it in my mind that I was going to be like my dad and, you know, do engineering and all that stuff and get into the engineering side of mechanical stuff. And and I just kind of thought that's where I was going. And so it never, ever occurred to me that I would ever be a preacher or be a pastor. Like that wasn't even on the radar screen like if there was a radar screen, there it was in the, it was in the trash can. You're like, hey Rick, I see you preaching. 
<laughs> you are funny, man. And so, you know, I went through Teen Challenge, and I just had a very profound encounter with God, and it's changed my life. And so I'm working on almost 20 years now being at Teen Challenge. And one of the things that I have found is that uh, choices, we have the freedom to choose. However, uh, addiction likes to tell you that you don't. Let me put it this way. Sin likes to tell you you don't have a choice. Um, So working with drug addicts, I've kind of earned my stripes, if you will. And so I don't know if you saw this uh, picture, but uh, it's called Meth, Not Even Once. And, uh, you know, evidently when you do meth, pretty soon you look like Steve Buscemi. Uh, They found a meth lab uh, up in New River. Um, So you'll get that later when you're driving home. And if I have to explain this next one, uh, I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) Human nature summed up in one picture. Do not climb, play on, and around a pipe. Everyone's on the pipe. All right. Choice. Everything starts with choice. Choose this day who you will serve. You guys know that scripture, right? Uh, God is basically laying it down. He's like, hey, choose, choose these gods. Choose those gods. Choose the people that you've been in bondage to. Or, you know, or choose, the, choose me, right? And so Joshua says pretty much, I'm going to choose me and my house. We're going to choose the Lord, right? Very common scripture that everybody knows, right? And it's so easy to choose Jesus, right? I mean, as soon as you turn, choose Jesus, everything is hearts and flowers, no <laughs> problems, everything is fantastic. And I don't know, maybe some of you have been hurt by that gospel. I know I sure have. Uh, but everything starts with a choice, every victory, every loss. First uh, John 1.7, it says this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Uh, the, a lot of times we emphasize, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light. But, but there's another component there. We have fellowship with one another. And I have met so many folks over the years, church, that have this isolated Christianity where they, it's just them and Jesus. It's like a science fiction film, you know. The, you know, you, you, there's no access to them and their their real life, who they really are, um, and nobody grows alone. And I found that God doesn't want you to be alone, but there's some fear in us that says, "Oh my gosh, if you really knew me, if you really knew." If you really knew me, you'd neither love me nor accept me, or you'd probably reject me, or you would hurt me, or you would use it against me. I have found this to be true straight across the board, that we live with the amount of fear of how do I become transparent? How do I become vulnerable? How do I live in this place without fear? Because that fear is a fear of man. That's not a fear of God. Fear of man is a 
snare, the word says. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm my own worst enemy. I, for me, I, I, yeah, I have trials. I have things I have to deal with in ministry. Uh, you know, praise the Lord. There's a lot going on in my life right this second. In fact, I got up this morning and found out my mom was being rushed to the hospital. And she's in emergency surgery right now in Colorado. And, and oh, praise God, you get to go preach. You know, I'm worried about my mom. I'm like, my mom's my hero. I don't know if you guys know that or not. It's funny. No matter how bad or tough these guys get in Teen Challenge, uh, like I know some bad guys, all right? Come out of prison, go into Teen Challenge. Do you know who they call when things are bad? They call their mom. I remember one guy was telling a story. He was talking about how tough and bad he was. I was like, man, wasn't that your mama that just dropped you off? Well, you know, my mom, yeah, you're tough, all right. What's your mom's number? Uh, That's another sermon, but. My mom's like my hero, you know, and I was thinking about, man, how am I gonna how am I gonna get out of this funk, you know, and and press through and and hopefully preach what I feel God has given me to preach, and it, and it always seems to come down to can you choose to to have a good attitude? Can you choose to say God's still God? Can you choose to say, man, He is faithful? Hey, man, how many know it's easy to distrust God when everything's going good? Oh man, God's so good. Till the bills don't get paid. Where are you at, God? Yeah. We, we sing these songs. It's funny how, how Christian songs have changed over the years. Like in the beginning, when I first got saved, it was like, uh, you know, the, the song, As the deer panted for, you know, and man, they wore that song out. I'm like, give that stupid deer a drink or shoot it or I just, I'm done with that song. Amen. I mean, it sung the, the, the leaves right off of that thing. And, and so, but in the beginning, it was always about how we were longing for and searching for and longing after. And now the music is how God is pursuing us and, and how he's never failed me yet. And it's interesting when you see the culture, how the cultures change uh, and perceptions change because perceptions, everything. Like we're sitting here, we're, we're, I'm watching that guy jump in that, that, uh, puddle, uh, uh, of doo-doo, and all of a sudden, my life doesn't look so bad. All of a sudden, hmm, Jesus is really good. Amen. But one of the things I've learned is that we don't grow alone. Choice. I've seen this work out so many times in church where people choose to be the victim. They, and I'm not saying that people can't be victimized. Are you with me? But I've seen so many times, oh, if, if, if this would have been different, if that would have happened, if, if only this or that, uh, I could have had a better life. And, and uh, you know, being in ministry, the kind of ministry I am, it's common for me to uh, take phone calls of relapses, overdoses, and multiple times during the week, okay? It's not, that's not, that's a normal week for me uh, to hear from a wife. My husband is addicted to drugs. What do I do? This is like a common thing that I deal with 
on a weekly basis. Relapse or people falling back into it, common call that I get. And I'm always uh, aware that when people are under the influence of sin, I don't care what sin it is, it makes us stupid. Now, that might make you angry. I'm not trying to make you angry. I'm just telling you the truth. When people are under the influence of sin, it makes them stupid. So this guy, he had been working for me, I don't know, probably four years. He goes out, all of a sudden, four years, goes out, goes on a bender, relapses, disappears for like a week. We can't find him. We're all worried to death. And I can't believe it. I'm just like, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, like been solid and now he's vanished for a week and we don't know where he's at, what's going on with him. And so we're, you know, you follow progression. We're calling the law for, you know, all the way down. And then he shows up one day and he's all irritated that we've called, you know, police, we've called people, we've called his mom, we've called everybody trying to find him. He's mad at us for looking for him. And uh, you just got to scratch your head because this is not the first time this has happened. And so I sit down and talk to him and he goes right into, well, you know, if you guys would have just been more, uh, you know, available to me, if, if, if you guys would have, if you guys would have done this, then I wouldn't have done that. Is anyone following me this morning? Uh, you know, God, had you showed up, I think of Martha when Lazarus died, and it's, it's a hard story to read, you know. Jesus finds out that Lazarus has died, right? And then he hangs out a couple more days, right? Uh, I don't know, you, you and I have the benefit of, of reading that, and we're thinking, uh, dude, no, right? And then, and then Jesus says, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes. Like, wow, you're, you're a great counselor, Jesus. I mean, think about that. I mean, death was a big deal. I'm pretty sure it still is. Can I buy an amen? All right. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes. So this goes back to the choice. Martha is sitting there, and I, and I try to picture this in my mind. You're try, I mean, everybody's in grief, and Jesus says this crazy thing, and then the only thing that's going to save Jesus at that point is if someone comes back to life. Are you with me? Like, if I walked in at a funeral and I said, well, Daniel, we'll just use Daniel because we know I'm an easy target. Daniel walks in at a funeral and says, hey, I'm glad that your loved one died today for your sakes. So God could be glorified, right? How many know Daniel would be running out the door? All right. So that's a little exaggerative. But how many times have you think of your own life where we've chose to be the victim, where we've chose to believe the worst about others and about God. So here's Martha. You know, what are you doing? He's been in the grave. He stinks. You know, 
Jesus calls out his name. Lazarus comes out. Hey, man, it's, it's a party, right? It's a party. One of the things that I find so interesting in the middle of that is that Jesus asked Martha, do you believe that he will come, that he'll be resurrected, in other words? Martha answers with perfect theology. Now, church, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the things that I find that we struggle with as an American church. We can answer with perfect theology and no faith. We can answer with, with the perfect logical, yes, it's boom, boom, boom. She answers Jesus with perfect theology, church, and yet she didn't have an ounce of faith. And I've got to tell you, I've been guilty of that as well, where I've answered with perfect theology. Amen. And had zero faith. I, I watched this when we were in the middle of getting our licensing for Teen Challenge. And I just, my opponent was the devil, but he had a name. And I've come to find that principality and municipality are pretty much <laughs> interchangeable. Amen. And so I, I just could not believe how this guy, this guy was, uh, he was a land developer, and he was like 10 steps ahead of me, man. Everywhere I went, he had already been there, and I mean, my neighbors were angry. He had, the, he, he would go along, he, he lived in Mesa, but he would come out to New River and pass out uh, all this terrible, you know, and it was all lies, but he would pass out door to door to every person, here's why Teen Challenge is terrible. This is why this ministry is terrible. Do you know you have criminals living in your neighborhood, right? You know, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm the chief in charge criminal right now, son. Uh, and there was a part where I started to choose to be a victim. There was a part where I made the choice that I just don't know why God's not helping me. I just don't know why, why this is happening to me. Do I have any fellow folks in the room or am I all by myself? Am I preaching the right message? Yeah. All right, just making sure. So 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. It's something that we don't hear a lot of. Dying to sin or dying to self. By his wounds you have been healed. We love that part. But man, dying to sin is not pretty. I have not seen anyone die pretty yet. I have not seen anyone deny sin unto the point of bloodshed yet. And all my time in America, I've not, I've not seen someone say, oh, man, I'm... What's wrong with you? Well, I'm bleeding. Why are you bleeding? Because I'm denying sin. Uh, it sounded funnier in my head. <laughs> but evidently, you guys have not had your coffee yet. Amen. Have you ever noticed that as soon as you make the choice to change or to lean into that discomfort to change, that instant opposition happens? Can I buy an amen? All right. 
So uh, it's good to see the youngs here this morning. Praise the Lord. Made my day. Uh, but we, we have this, this thought that once you become a Christian, things should be easier, right? Has anyone ever felt that way? Like, you know, I know the king of kings, pal. I know King Jesus, right? And, and man, everybody was preaching this, uh, this, you know, wealth and health. And I don't know. I, I don't even know the name of it. All I know is that it made me mad. If you just give God this $1,000 seed. Okay, so I got to tell on myself. So we were watching this, this show, and I can't think of the guy's name. I'm going to say it. But he's like, we've prayed over these wallets. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, man. We bless them. And I'm thinking, brother, you should probably just go ahead and hold on to them. Amen. You're going to need a wallet that's been blessed, right? Hey, hey, man, people were chasing after it. Yeah, man, if I just give 20 bucks, God's going to... No, I think you missed the point. When we start moving into change, so let me, let me put, a, put, put a handle on it where you guys can grab it. Now, when I first got, when I first got married, uh, hey, man, it was beautiful. For about two weeks. <laughs> Amen. In fact, let me just be honest. I thought I was a really good guy till I got married. When I got married, I found out how selfish I was, how self-centered I was, how I just thought about myself, and every decision I made was about me. And uh, that sounded really funny, but it was the truth. And, and God was trying to teach me, no, it's not you, it's becoming one flesh. And I'm like, well, that's not what I thought it was, amen. And so my wife and I, you know, we got married, took over the Christian Life Ranch, and she was my secretary at Simpsons. We were, never had worked together, ever. So she became the secretary. We were working together, living together. Oh, man, just fill in the blanks. We had to drive into Phoenix to fight so no one would hear us. And it was so bad that I could not believe. And, man, I was, I was hey, man, how many know when there's no rest at home, you're calling out to Jesus. Amen? Especially when the woman that you love is ready to kill you. You're like, I need Jesus right now. And I made this decision that, okay, God, I'm, I'm open, I'm aware, I'm selfish. Lord, help me. And I did not realize that she was the help. <laughs> you call that help, Lord? All she's doing is pointing at everything I do wrong, man. Hey, hey. Let's be real. I, the more I leaned into it, the worse it got. Hey, we had to get counseling. Imagine that. So we got the counseling. And in the counseling, here comes out, here comes out, just pressure, man. Here comes all these lies that I believe about myself and about Jesus and about God and about other people. And it was like this instant opposition. I'm like, man, I got married. This is supposed to be the most awesome time ever. And it's the most not awesome time. 
And God really began to minister to us. And this is what I found is that I need God's grace and I can't do this alone. In fact, I found this, that it's very true for everybody that's grace, truth, and time. Grace without truth is just license. It's enabling. And truth without grace is just legalness. It's legality. It's rigid. It has no love to it. It has no change to it. It's just a rigid form in time. I got to tell you, I wrestle with time. I wrestle with time. I wrestle with how long it has taken. I, I wrestle with how hard it has been. But I can look back now, church, and go, thank you, Jesus. See, I, I, now I've been teaching this for a minute and preaching it for a little bit, but I'm going to tell you something. If, if I asked you what was God's greatest, what was, what was people's uh, let me how how am I gonna say? If I asked you what was the greatest human crisis was in the history of us as people of God, everybody would say, "Say it, Don." Yeah, the fall. We'd say this fall of sin, right? We'd say the Garden of Eden, right? And all the men would say, "No, it was the woman's fall." Don't say that. <laughs> we'd all we'd all say it was the fall. Are we in agreement? Don't shout me down. This is a participation moment right now. Are we in agreement, church? Okay. But I want to I submit to you that the, the first human crisis wasn't sin. It was aloneness. <clears throat> and you may have heard this. I'm going to go ahead and stomp on it a little bit. But we were in the middle of... of our counseling and the counselor looked over at Marie and said, well, uh, you are your spouse's answer to aloneness. And she looked over, over at me and she said, you are God's plan for her and you are God's plan for him. And we were confused. I believe aloneness is where a lot of our problems start because we feel alone. Like, I'm so alone. No one's ever had it like this. My situation is different. We start developing that terminally unique situation. And I, I believe with all my heart that I am part of God's plan for my wife and my wife is part of God's plan for me. Not just to point out my faults, amen, but to remove loneliness. Most of my issues, church, have not started because I got hurt. They got started because I felt alone, because I felt isolated. Everybody say grace, grace. Truth, truth, time. Isn't it funny? When you lean into that change, here comes the instant opposition. Amen. Uh, I got this little thing for you up here, this little circle of truth. And uh, I've never seen it line up perfect yet. But I want to say that when these things are all working together, that it's in the middle of that is when real internal change starts to happen. I see this with men who have been a bondage to heroin, pornography, uh, drug addiction of every kind of thing, anger, uh, gambling. I've seen that when they have a genuine 
triune experience with people where they have not just these things working in unison by themselves, but usually it's a person that's bringing grace to me. It's a person bringing truth to me. Amen? There's a person encouraging me to not give up, to be patient. Amen? God uses people, church. And if you're isolated, it's hard to receive truth. It's hard to receive Race. It's hard. It's hard to be patient if you are by yourself. Can I buy an amen? Yes, you may. It is hard, man, to sit in it alone and go, <gasps> my life is terrible. I'm all by myself. Yeah, God says, hey, man, I got this uh, thing I invented in the New Testament. It's pretty sweet. You should try it out. It's called the church. Amen. Hey, and it's not a building, by the way. It's a movement. It's organic. It's alive. And God wants you to be not just attend a church. He wants you to be the church. See, and in America, man, we got it all messed up, I think. And I love God's people. Amen. But man, being a part of. See, see, my wife knows things about me. Amen. In an intimate relationship. Okay. What is one of the ways that God expresses the church? How, what is one of his greatest uh, illustrations of people and being in a relationship? He uses what? Marriage. And he, and he uses it often that, that we are the bride of Christ. And he, and he uses all this imagery of the longing and the, and, the, and the coming together and the being together. And yet, man, most of the time when we come together with church, come on, people, help me out. We don't even hardly know anything about each other. We know, we know some details. We know some facts. But we don't know what you struggle with. We don't know will keep you up at night. We don't know where you're bummed out. Isolated. See, I'm one of them guys that could be in a group of 100 people and be all alone. It's taken me years to, to invite people into my life. Give them full access. And you know when I do that is when I experience change. One of the things I love about my relationship with Pastor Daniel is that we have that. It's rare among pastors, by the way, because we're a bunch of insecure boys. <laughs> we were, we, and I'm not bashing pastors, okay, I'm just saying. We, I went to this pastor's conference, you know, and I thought, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. All these men of God there, it's going to be great. Sounded funnier in my head. Uh, I get there, and everybody's got a measuring stick. Well, how many people are you running? Well, what size is the ministry? What is your tithing looking? I mean, i like, bro. See, I got 50 guys no matter what's happening, and none of them tithe. I must be a loser. I was sitting having lunch with the pastor. <laughs> He's like, man, Rick, Pastor Rick, how come your budget is so high, man? How, I, just help me understand that, man. And I was like, all right, brother, I'll help you understand. I said, just how many people are in your church, Pastor? He said, well, I run about 50 to 70 people. And I said, all right, perfect, man. Now, just imagine if all those people 
move in with you <laughs> for a year. Amen. Are you feeling the anointing on that? <laughs> and none of them are going to tithe. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> He's, he, I can see the gears, man. No. So that is what it's like at Teen Challenge. It's like having everybody move in with you for a while. You get to know everything. Amen. All right. Let's get off of that. Change. How many, how many love that word? Change. Just love it. Just love it. How many have teenagers? And the change. No. I found that no one grows or changes alone or isolated, number one. Number two is I have found that change, true change, is rarely pleasant or fun. There's not a, a list in the, in the foyer where everybody signs up and says, yes, change. Oh, you get to know everything about me, even the stuff I don't ever want no one to know. No, I'm not signing that. I found that the road is genuinely narrow. We read it often, man, and we want to widen that road, don't we, folks? Jesus said, the road is narrow. I mean, I don't know. There's scriptures in there that I read. They, they, they put a little fear in me. Wide is the path to destruction. Narrow. I'm like... Dude, that's kind of scary, pal. Narrow, I mean, I know me. I'm all about the wide. You're going to have to help me do the narrow, Jesus. And, you know, I found that the more we lean into it, the more we pray for it, the more God surrounds us with the right people. I can tell you where you're going to be in five years just by the people you hang out with. Tell the guys all the time when they, when they complete Teen Challenge, you know, and, and, and I believe this is, this is universally true, that whenever you pull back from having intimacy, I'm talking about a genuine, intimate relationship, not with just your wife, boys and girls. I'm talking about intimate with other believers. So, so I feel that this is a key component that is sorely missing. I love that we're all about evangelism. I love going out. But i got to tell you, man, Jesus did not disciple people that he did not know. He did not disciple people from a pulpit. Come on, church. He discipled people that he loved, he was in relationship with, that he knew them and they knew him. Church, it can't happen any other way. We can't sit in a, in a church pew and, and think that one hour of Sunday, as marvelous as it is, is going to replace real discipleship, real intimate because what truth if, this is you can tell this is my passion but all discipleship is is truth being transmitted through relationship the closer the relationship the deeper the truth in other words the closer I get to people <laughs> amen as scary as it gets sometimes it's usually when I experience the most change 
It's usually when I experience the most challenges. It's usually when I experience the most choices. And I have found that these three things cannot be separated. Choices, challenges, change, truth, grace, time. God works in threes. He loves it. I feel that if we're ever really going to experience true change, we have to go to that next level of vulnerability. That's a word that men just hate. It's like spinach. It's, it's like worse than spinach. It's like, it's like cabbage with cauliflower in it or something. Like, vulnerable? <laughs> like my wife, man, when I come home from work, I'm always like, she, I, I'm like a steak. She's like, I want to hear all your emotions. <laughs> you know, not, not a steak and a, that sounded bad. All right. Uh, she, likes, she like wants me to sit down and just like, share everything, you know? And, I, and me, I'm just like a headliner. I'm like, how was your day? Good. What'd you do? I worked. Uh, my wife's all about, so tell me the details, you know? She's like ready to get into it, man. And after we have our conversation, I'm ready to go to bed. Amen? Because I'm done. Like talking about all those emotions, like I had one emotion, and after talking to you, I'm a mess. <laughs> She's like, you're right. That's why you need to talk to me. We had this, uh, uh, in, a, in any kind of ministry, there's always some kind of heartbreak, just the way it is when you're really moving into people's lives. And it's just an outcome, just part of the process. And we had, we had a, a very dear brother. Uh, he, he, you know, he went out made some bad choices. I ended up having to uh, fire him and let him go. And I mean, it, it really hurt me. Now, it didn't hurt me because he went out. It hurt me because I had, we were in relationship. And, and he knew the outcomes. Are you with me, church? It wasn't like this was a secret trap door meeting. It was like he knew this was the result of his, and, and you know, we cried. I he cried, I cried, because it was like we had no other place to go. And it affected me. So I tried to use logic, as most men do. I know some gals do this, too. Well, I know I shouldn't feel this way because, you know, I've, and I was telling myself, ah, you know, hey, he made the choice. It was his deal. But, man, I was, I was wounded. I was hurt. I came home. My wife's like, how was your day? well, I had to let, you know, so-and-so go, and you know, that kind of really stunk. And then she's like, oh, you had to let so-and-so go. What happened? I said, well, here's what happened, and we started talking about it, and then pretty soon, you know, here comes that one tear, you know. I don't know if you guys, uh, if you have kids, there's this movie called uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> and Mr. T plays this cop in there, and he starts to cry, and this little tear comes out, and he's like, Get back in there, you know? And, you know, and man, I just so identify with that, you know? Like, because crying for me is like a traumatic event for men. It usually is. Because, you know, men, we like to feel one thing at one time, you know? I want to feel a bunch of different things. And so here I'm, I start crying. And I can't, I can't, you know, <laughs> praise the Lord, I can't reel it back in, man. I'm trying to reel it. I'm like, where are you going? No! 
And I'm crying. And, and we get done, and Marie and I are praying. And she's like, oh, honey. You know, and she just starts speaking life over me. She's like, she agreed with my pain. Are you with me? She said, yeah, I'm so sorry. And, man, I tell you what. I was like, what did you just do to me? You know, uh, it was ministry. It was real ministry. Because I felt so much better afterwards. I was like, oh, my gosh. All right, I really don't want to do that a lot, though. <laughs> Whew. Being silly, but, man, I tell you, this journey I've been on about moving into a more transparent way of living, giving people access to my life, it takes courage. Folks, it takes faith. You just can't do it without it. It's something you can't do alone. This thing that we call following Jesus, being discipled, folks, it is not something you can do by yourself. And men, we need men. We need men that we can talk to. Gals, you need gals. Amen. We need each other. Amen. And I always come back to this, Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. I love that. I love that. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's why it makes him the better sacrifice. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. confidence. With what? Confidence. I mean, how often do you approach Jesus with confidence? Like, ah, oh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, man, but I wrestle with the shame thing. You know, feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough. And I just messed up about 15 minutes ago, you know. Uh, you know, I, I was praying with Marie one night. Oh, it was in the morning. We're like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us in this day. And I was, I was all over the place. And man, I was going to honor you, Jesus, today. This, you know, you, you probably prayed that prayer. I got in the car, and I was heading down to Tucson, and that prayer flew right out the window. First guy to cut me off, I'm like, oh, yeah! <laughs> Maybe you know that prayer where the gal was sitting in bed. She's like, Lord... <laughs> or no it's she, she's praying she goes oh lord i thank you that i haven't you know cursed i haven't you know over eight i haven't you know said anything bad about anything about anybody but i'm getting ready to get out of bed <laughs> i'm gonna need your help amen <laughs> so we approach the grace with confidence so that we may receive what mercy and find what grace to help us in our time of need church we are needy people that is just the truth we need jesus we need each other we need the church we god has placed us in a place and we don't like that word do we oh he's so needy <laughs> so oh he's he just needs to pull himself up by his bootstraps have you heard that a few times but i need people I need Jesus. Amen? Amen? I need you guys. I need Daniel. Amen. Daniel needs me. Uh, for me to say that, so somebody needs me. <laughs> and it's not my tax return. Amen? <laughs> um, I really felt like I, I preached what God had for me. I got this scripture while we were um, in worship. 
and it's from Ecclesiastes 10.10. And I really felt like I was supposed to speak this over y'all. I think it's more, more for us of married couples too. But it simply says that when the axe is dull, he must exert more force. But wisdom brings success. In other words, I'm paraphrasing, is that so many times we're trying to do things by force. And we're never wasting our time when we sharpen our edge. And we sharpen our edge with each other, church. Amen. Church, yes. Sunday, yes. Worship, yes. Man, relationship, absolutely. Because all discipleship is is when I've given you access to my heart, you've given me access to your heart, and truth is being transmitted through relationship. God does not want us to work harder he wants us to work smarter. Wisdom brings success. I have found that it is wise to surround yourself with godly people. I have found it wise to spend time with people who have your back, who really are interested in who you are and where you're going and what is going to become your life. And I got to tell you, man, it's been a journey. It's, and I'm not there yet. I have not arrived. I'm still in it on the bumpy road of it. Praise Jesus. But I got to tell you, it's the best thing. I know I'm no longer in a cycle. I'm on a journey. Have you ever noticed that God's plan and your plan look really different? I mean, like if you were asking me, what's God's plan for your life? I'd had a little chart. And it would have went straight up. And yet I found that it's been all over the place, man. And there's been detours that I thought were worthless that I look back now on and went, they were the most life-changing events. The licensing with Teen Challenge, that was one of the most life-changing events for me that I found that God, I mean, God had it. Even though I couldn't see it, he was five steps ahead of me. Amen. All right, I think I'm done. I want to pray for you. Um, This word that I just preached, I've been preaching for a while to different folks, different churches, and it is one of the hardest words to preach. Because a lot of times people hear, oh, you're saying the church isn't valuable. No, I'm saying the church is invaluable. I'm saying the church, when it's operating as the church, not a place we go to, but a place that, that we are in our heart. It's a different thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I feel like that word, Ecclesiastes 10.10, is something I could speak over myself. Because, man, when I've been in the middle of the fire, wondering what is going on. God's like, wisdom doesn't come from osmosis. Amen. Good judgment doesn't come from some great, you know, little fairy cloud that comes over in spring. It's usually from making some bad deals. Good judgment doesn't come from making some mistakes, church, in other words. And I think, 
I think if we can live in a place where we can bring that out and let other people experience life with us. Are you with me? Let other people see in to our life. Hey, uh, last story. And it's kind of a funny one, but it's when God called me into ministry. So I had pretty much had it in my heart that as soon as I got done with Teen Challenge, I was going to go back and pick up where I left off and go back into Motorola and Intel and do clean rooms and that kind of thing because it's just good money in it. Out here in Arizona, that's where just a good thing to do. That's in my mind, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do that. And and so uh, the guy that was mentoring was me was Pastor Art Tidwell. And Art Tidwell is a special kind of ornery. All right. Well, yeah, some of you guys know him. That's right. And Art just, he knew how to handle me. You know, he just, he'd get in my stuff. And, but he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't a one-way street. And so Art was, you know, mentoring me and, you know, whatever. And man, now I'm going to tell on him. And he's, you guys can't tell him I told him. <laughs> so we, me and him uh, were, uh, the Phoenix Center down in, in, in downtown Phoenix was going through a major upheaval, a major transition. We had to fire all the staff, and then we were letting the director go, and they wanted us to go down there and kind of hold the fort down until we could transition a new leader in. So we were down there uh, holding the fort down, and, uh, and Art, me and Art were trying to get fundraising back going again with car washes and whatnot, and this guy called Pastor Art and fired Pastor Art up. I mean, like I could feel the anointing. Are you with me? And Pastor Art let out a cuss word. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And I was sitting there thinking about that for a minute. I was like, oh my gosh, man. I could be a pastor. <laughs> It was the first time that I had that thought where I was like, you know what? You don't have to be perfect to be awesome. That's cool. I, I told you that story not to, you know, blast Art. But Art had the courage to be real. Uh, to this day, I meet with Art every, like, every couple weeks I still meet with Art. Art's still like my, my spiritual dad. Like, I just, in fact, you know, we text all the time and, you know, he's... God, that's been God's replacement dad for me since I lost my, my father to suicide. But it all started with me giving access. This is who I really am. This is not who I want to be, but this is who I really am. It's made all the difference in the world. You guys know that old poem? There was two paths in the woods. I chose the one less traveled. And it's made all the difference. And I got to tell you, this whole transparency, vulnerability, uh, it's a new journey for me. Amen. Can I pray for you? Yeah. How many said, Rick, you got, I got something out of that. Sweet. Would you guys stand and just let me pray for you? I, I, I uh, normally like to do altar calls, but I, I'm not feeling like that's where God's leading me right now. Um, but I feel like this is more like a family call. So maybe you could just, you know, there was a lot of hands raised. Maybe you could just 
uh, find a brother or sister in this moment quickly and just lay your hands on their shoulder. Amen. Can you do that? I know I'm, I'm asking for a big jump of faith there. Just find somebody that says, yeah, amen. And let's just agree together in prayer this morning. Amen. Can we do that? Praise the Lord. It's easy to preach this stuff. It's hard to live it. Amen. <laughs> Father in heaven, I thank you for Awaken Life Church. I thank you for the real. Uh, Lord, I thank you for Daniel and Joy and the journey that they're on. Lord, to seek your face and to see who you are and to see your presence manifest. And as I said this morning, you're not far. You're right here. You're near. And Lord, there was many hands raised. Uh, it's so easy to preach, God. It's so hard to live. And Lord, I just pray that we're not isolated. And God, where we've been isolated, Lord, help us to give people access again. Lord, where we've been wounded or hurt, God, by others, Lord, let us forgive and allow people access again. Lord, let us heal from those past wounds. In fact, I really feel like the Lord's saying that there's some men here that have been really wounded by this. Um, and I just want to pray for that. Father, we just pray for the ones that have been really hurt, really wounded in, in relationships, in hurts, in, in church. And Father, I just pray for your healing touch, God. It's to, just to, to verify your word to your people, Lord. Lord, to verify that this is not all smoke and mirrors. And Lord, I pray that today, God, this would be a new, uh, an opportunity for a new journey. Lord, that, that we're not in a cycle, we're on a journey. And so, Lord, for every hand that was raised, I pray, Father, for courage and faith to rise up. Lord, where we can say no to the enemy and yes to you. And God, we give you praise for every opportunity. And I just love you, love this church. Lord, I pray you pour your blessing out on them. In Jesus' mighty name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.